Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. Great to see you guys today. Hey, uh, before I get into the message, I've got a little video to show you. And as we announced last week, we are becoming a Vineyard Church September 18th. So we'll be adopted into the Vineyard family of churches. We'll be our own independent church here in Muhammad. Um, and as we said last week, if you have loved the church since you've been here, you will continue to love the church. You're not going to see a huge change. But it is important that we um, understand what we're becoming or really what we already are. And so we want to show you this video of what it means to be a vineyard church. So go ahead and play that. I'd never heard of the Vineyard Movement before, but I decided to go to a conference because I just wanted to find out what it was all about. The very first talk that I heard at that conference changed my life. There was a man and he was lovingly explaining the theology of the Kingdom, the now and the not yet, the tension of both. I remember weeping because for the first time I had a language to describe what I knew to be true in my heart about the Christian faith but no one had given me the words for. I came home that night. It was in the vineyard that I became ordained as a female pastor. It was in the vineyard that I became a church planter. And it was in the vineyard that I found my calling and purpose as a woman of God. So I tell people that going to an Asian Catholic church, when you walk through the front doors, it can feel like you're walking into a warp zone. Suddenly there's the cultural uh, barriers that you have to cross through. There's the, culture, the language barriers. And so as a young person, I found that it was disillusioning for me to try to navigate all of those complexities. And so when I went to college in Ithaca, New York, there was a vineyard church that was starting. And I went to that church and I walked through the front doors and I walked into a different warp zone. And I encountered God's presence in a very real and tangible way. Uh, one night as I was coming home from one of the original pastor's conferences and I, for the first time in my life, saw a vision. Uh, I saw a picture of Long Island, which is where I grew up in New York, but I knew I was supposed to plant a church. I am so proud to be a part of this Vineyard Movement. It was the theology that really called me into this home of mine and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. The thing that wins people over is not necessarily seeing the miracles, but when they experience the actual love of God, that's what wins them over. What ECV taught me, and I now know as a vineyard principle, is that we can tap into God and ask Him questions, and He can speak to us. Esto es lo que me encanta acerca de la viña. La viña es un lugar donde somos valorados, donde somos amados, donde somos incluidos. La viña es nuestra familia. My name is Melanie Forsyth Lee. I am Dennis Liu. Yo soy Carmen Suarez. We're Lance and Cheryl Pitluck and we are Vineyard. And we are Vineyard. We are Vineyard. Somos Viña. I'm Daniqua Washington and we are Vineyard. We are joining this global movement, this uh, movement that sees the kingdom of God as here and present that we can tap into and see God moving and working in our lives. 
And so we're excited to join this movement. And if you've got questions about what this means for us, like maybe you're wondering, like, what does the vineyard believe? Um, or what is this, how, how are we going to change? Or um, maybe you've got a specific question. We want to hear from you. So you can get this little connect card on the table in the back and just write down here. You don't even have to write your name if you, if you don't want. Um, if you do want to write your name, we'll get back to you. If you don't write your name, um, we're going to uh, put some of these questions into just kind of like we're going to give short five-minute messages just to explain what it is to be a vineyard and why that's important to our community. Um, so if you've got any questions at all, write them on here, and we would love to hear from you. We'd love to know what you're thinking. And then, of course, you can also just talk to Liz and I. We'll be available for you um, if you want to learn more about what this means for us. Um, as you know, uh, as you may not know, Liz and I were ordained in the vineyard. This is our heart. Our church was actually planted um, with some vineyard people. And so we are being adopted back into this, this global family that carries, we have the same mission. And so we're like, well, why not join the family of churches that carries our mission as well? So we're excited for that. Um, well, hey, we are today, we are starting a brand new sermon series I'm excited about, um, which is called Maps for the Journey. And we're looking at wisdom. Like in this crazy, chaotic, sometimes I feel like insane world, we need wisdom. And I, I look at my phone, I Google things, and I see these, all these people coming up with this wisdom that, you know, just seems to be lacking. It's not all there. It doesn't seem full. And so we're going to go to scripture. We're going to look at God's wisdom, his divine wisdom for the journey of life that we're on that's going to guide us through life. I've got some wisdom for you today. It's not my wisdom. No one wants to hear that. Uh, but you know what's fun is hearing kids' wisdom. So I'm going to share with you some kids, some wisdom from some kids. This is Patrick. He's 10. He says, never trust a dog to watch your food. <laughs> Michael, he's age 14. He says, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. <laughs> That's good wisdom. Uh, Joel, age 10, he says, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Amir, age 9, says, you can't, this is profound, you can't hide a piece of broccoli in your milk. Because mom's going to ask you to drink that milk, right? And then, oh, revealed broccoli. Uh, three more for you. Michael, age 14, he says, never tell your mom her diet's not working. <laughs> Gwen, four, she said, this is good. You might be scared, but sometimes being scared is worth it. And Jenny, age 11, says, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> I hear all the women laughing on that one. The guys are like, huh? Think about it a little bit more. Um, so today, we're starting this Maps for the Journey. The Bible is full of wisdom. I mean, from cover to cover, you can find wisdom in every corner of its pages. And this wisdom, it's not just an advice column in the newspaper or some nice thoughts from some other people, but this is wisdom, divine wisdom from our Creator. It's a tool that we are given to masterfully navigate the journey of life that we're all on. 
its twists, its turns, its peaks, its valleys, and we use this wisdom to live life well. So we're going to look at some passages throughout the Bible over the next few weeks that are full of wisdom for our everyday lives. You know, as a parent, I don't like bedtime. I have a two-year-old, a a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and I don't like bedtime. I like before bedtime. That's a good time. You hang out with the family. You hang out with your kids. I like after bedtime. That's when I go to the freezer and get some ice cream and relax, you know, without kids running around. But bedtime, man, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, I wish I could, um, you know, just tell my kids, hey, go do this, and they would do it right away. So I want you to go brush your teeth, kids, and just say it once, and then they go do it. But that doesn't happen. Go put your jammies on. That doesn't happen. Sometimes I wish I could activate robot mode, like for bedtime for my kids, like flip a switch. Okay, go brush your teeth. Yes, father, I will go brush my teeth. Okay, get your jammies on. Yes, father, go to sleep. Wouldn't that be great if you could just tell your, you remember that with your kids? Just tell your kids to go to sleep and they do that, but that's not going to happen. At some point, as they grow, I, I hope that they glean all the bedtime wisdom I've given them why it's good to practice good hygiene, why it's good to get sleep, uh, why it's good to maybe get ready in the morning for school, you know, and why to eat a healthy breakfast in the morning. I want all those life skills to go forward with them in life and that I'm not calling them, you know, in 20 years and saying, hey, uh, did you get up for work on time today? Did, did you brush your teeth today? I want them to have, have that wisdom I, I don't want to have to, you know, call my kids and, and ask them that in 20 years. Now, the, the wisdom scriptures go far deeper than just guidance for hygiene and, and wellness, you know. They give us direction for our everyday life. It's also to point out that God gives us autonomy. Um, he works in our lives, yes, and he guides us in our lives, yes, but he doesn't order every single moment where you've got to try and figure out what he wants for your life. I had a friend and his mom went through the season of life where she literally didn't do anything until she felt God told her to do something. So before she got out of bed in the morning, God, can I get out of bed? She would ask that question and she'd wait until she felt something Tell her, yes. Can I go to the grocery store? Can I plant some plants in my garden? Which plants should I plant in my garden? And she went through this whole season where she really asked God, and she was kind of paralyzed by it, exactly what she should do, and she expected a direct answer. Now, that's not how God has set up life for us. He doesn't activate robot mode for us and say, do this, and we do it. But instead, he gives us wisdom. And we find that all throughout the Bible. We aren't robots taking demands. Instead, he instructs our hearts and our minds and then also empowers us to make our own decisions on our journey of life that honors him. So where do we find this wisdom and how do we experience it? As I said before, it's all throughout the Bible. But the most natural place to start is in wisdom literature, the wisdom books of the Bible. Uh, Wisdom literature is made up of three books. That's uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. 
So if you turn to those three books, those are the ones that are kind of classified as wisdom literature. They kind of stick out amongst the rest of scripture. Um, you can kind of think of it as those three books are a part of, the, of a museum. Like if the whole Bible is a museum, these three books are the, uh, we'll say the impressionist section of the museum. And so you can go see those books and uh, they're by different artists and you can kind of compare them and where they were in history when they were painted. And you can kind of uh, view them together. They're not meant to be like, uh, here's this wisdom book and you read this alone and here's this wisdom book and you read this alone. But instead, you kind of read one and compare it with the other. And you can kind of say, okay, here's uh, Proverbs says this. Hey, Ecclesiastes said something about the same thing. Let's check that out and see what it says. And you can kind of compare and contrast like you would in a museum with different kinds of paintings. Even among just one artist, you can say, okay, they use this technique in this painting and then a different technique over here. So you can kind of see how they interact and relate to each other. These three books, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, they're all addressing these two questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? Sometimes when I want to know what the world thinks about questions, I just Google it, right? That's where I get the world's, world's wisdom. So I went, I Googled it. I said, how to live well or how to live a good life. I did something like that. And here's what I got from Google. Google said, eat good food. It said, which I, I'm all about that. Uh, my definition of good food is a little bit different than Google's. Uh, I want a cheeseburger. Uh, it says, sleep seven to eight hours a night. Get enough sleep. Avoid, a news overdo avoid overdosing on the news. Get regular exercise and think good thoughts for others. So those are nice. That's, that's about what I expected from Google. That's, that's fine. Do those things. That's good. That's the world's solution to living life well. But these wisdom books, they're full of God's wisdom, divine wisdom, and they answer that question in a far more satisfying way. Like, how do we live a good life? It's answered a lot better in the Bible, a lot more satisfying. I've been, uh, as we've been going into this series, I've been listening to The Bible Project. Um, it's, a, it's an app, it's a YouTube channel, it's a whole bunch of things that where they just put up videos and podcasts to explain different things about the Bible. And so uh, I encourage you, go check that out. You can just go download their app, Bible Project, type in wisdom, and you can watch their videos, listen to podcasts if you want, and you'll hear some of the um, some of the things that I'm saying, I'm, I want to share with you what they did. They, um, they had this interesting idea to personify each wisdom book. And so it helps us see, as we do that, it helps us see how they have a conversation with each other. And so they're answering these questions about wisdom with different perspectives. Just like if you were to poll your friends on a topic like best restaurant in Muhammad, everyone's going to have a different answer. And if they agree on something, well, then they're going to have different reasons maybe for that. Each friend might say something different. Even if you got like ex restaurant experts to come to Muhammad and say, hey, what's, what's our best restaurant? They might have different reasons for different restaurants, different values, different opinions for the way that they see life. 
So here's how they personify these three books. Um, Proverbs is this brilliant young teacher. She's good at all aspects of life, work, money, spirituality, sex, relationships, business. She's a woman who has studied people. She's studied how their actions produce different results, how their choices affect their life. She has incredible integrity. She's a great friend to have when you need advice for anything. She's going to encourage you in the right thing, and then you're going to feel, after you talk to her, you're going to feel empowered to do that. Uh, Ecclesiastes, this guy, this book is seen as a middle-aged critic. He recognizes that it's good to follow God and his commands, but he's also seen enough to know that sometimes the wicked do prosper, and sometimes the righteous will experience calamity. X doesn't always equal Y. Instead, he's going to tell you that life isn't always clear. Uh, Ecclesiastes describes life's meaning as smoke, where you just can't like grasp it. Like if you see a shape in the smoke, you say, oh, that kind of looks like a lion. You go out to grasp it, and then all of a sudden it's changing. It's hard to understand what life's meaning even is. That's Ecclesiastes. It's a really pessimistic look at life. But it's scripture. It's important to look at it as you're reading it. And if you read it all isolated by itself without Proverbs or Job, it's kind of like, oh, how do I get through this? It's a really important book to see because it describes a view of life that we've all experienced. Job, he's the quiet, seasoned, older man. Like if Proverbs and Ecclesiastes might be talking to each other, discussing something about a certain area of life, you know, uh, Job might be the guy just kind of sitting back and listening and taking it in and not ready just to jump in and start an argument, but to sit back and wait until he's asked for his opinion. He's not looking to debate anything or to prove that he's right. He's just lived life. He's lived life as an idealist. He's lived life as a cynic. And he's learned a lot through those times as he's continued to trust Jesus. And most importantly, he's learned that whatever comes his way, good or bad, he can trust God. All of these books are truth. And the way that they view God's divine wisdom is from different viewpoints that we can all relate to. So we're going to start by looking at Proverbs. And where else do we start in Proverbs but at the beginning? That would be a good place to start. So let's read Proverbs 1 together. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Proverbs 1, um, where you can look it up on your device. If you have the option to choose from different translations, I'm reading from the NLT, where you can choose whatever you like. It'll also be up on, here on the screen. So Proverbs 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. David's son king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to keep them and to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. 
Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. And those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The book of Proverbs, it doesn't open up with like a proverb, right? It doesn't open up with its, its best proverb. If I was writing Proverbs, if someone said, hey, you go write a book of Proverbs and cool sayings, I mean, I'm going to open up with my best saying. Here's what I came up with. Ready? Uh, this is what I would open up my book with. Eating the snow that's yellow will make you one sad fellow. That's mine. But no, the, the Proverbs doesn't open that way. Instead, Proverbs opens up with these nine beautiful chapters of really creative and compelling poetry to describe the brokenness of our world and the importance of wisdom. And what you can expect, this poetry at the beginning, it's what you can expect when you invite her, this wisdom, into your life. And so if you got the time this week, go read these first nine chapters. It really is some beautiful poetry. I wish um, I could read Hebrew like that so I could actually see it in its like full form in, in its original language. But even in English, it's beautiful. Um, so we begin to see in these first nine chapters uh, and continue to see all throughout Proverbs that wisdom is seen as this invisible force weaving through our lives and it's available to anyone. She's calling out. She's wanting to guide us in life. She desires to bring us life as it's meant to be. And if we can incorporate her into our life, then we will have a prize more valuable than gold and rubies, it says. Like all normal and well-adjusted people, I don't like the dentist. Any, anybody else not like the dentist? Not a big fan? Okay, great. Glad you guys are on the same, we're all on the same page. This is good. So I avoided the dentist for a, a lot of my 20s. So when I was in my mid-20s, uh, I decided I should go to the dentist because that's a good thing to do, right? So I go to the dentist and, you know, my teeth are cleaned, all that. The dentist comes by and he, you know, he, what does he do? He checks you for cavities, right? And then he, they usually ask you, uh, do you floss? My dentist didn't even ask that question. He, he said, he made a statement. He said, you don't floss. <laughs> and I said, uh, he's got me. Oh, no. Because usually, you know, you can come up with a like, sure, I floss a couple times a week, you know. But no. Uh, he knew. He knew it right away. And so um, he said, well, you know, Dan, you have eight cavities and they are all because you don't floss. And he explained to me that I have a small mouth, my teeth are packed together, and in the crevices of my teeth, like, stuff rots away, right? Um, so he knew immediately. He didn't need, need to ask at all. And it was about that time when I realized that I should have, A, opted for dental insurance at the beginning of the year, and B, that I wish I had followed the wisdom of flossing that I had heard my whole life. People told me, you should floss, you should floss. Never did it. I do it now. Uh, thanks to, the, you know what I love? Those little flossing, little pick things. I, those are great. Um, 
Anyway, you see, I, I knew the wisdom of flossing. I knew that. I knew that much. I knew it was a good thing. I knew that I should floss, but I didn't understand it. I didn't under, really understand why. Um, and the dentist explained it to me. Like, you've got a small mouth. You've got to get in those little crevices. Get this stuff out. So now I understood why. And at the time, I most certainly didn't practice flossing. So there's kind of three things there. There's, under, there's knowing it, knowing I should floss. There's understanding it, knowing what it is, the reason, understanding it. And then there's the incorporating it into your life. In Proverbs 1, it, it does kind of the same thing. It makes it clear that following these sayings and words of wisdom, you have to know them, you have to understand them, and then you've got to put them into practice. It also tells us that these words of wisdom of Proverbs, in Proverbs, uh, they aren't always like easy for us to figure out right there on the surface. Sometimes they can be riddles, as verse 6 says. And they require deep thought and consideration for us to really understand them. Verse 2, Proverbs 1, 2, it says that these Proverbs are to teach people. That's the first step, to know these, to know that they exist, to know that they're there. And then the second part is verse 2. It moves to the next step, which is to understand these insights. And then verse 3, we arrive at the most important step, which is applying them to our lives. What good would it know? What, what good would it be to know these Proverbs and to understand them and then just not do anything with them, not let them affect our daily living? Earlier this week, I asked you guys uh, through our weekly email, what are your favorite Proverbs? I think a lot of people have like a proverb that they enjoy. So I want to read uh, one, two, three, four. I have five here for you. Uh, this is Proverbs 4.23. These are all from you guys. I love them. Uh, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't, do, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Proverbs 11, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. 29.11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And last one, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I love these. I love that you guys shared these with me. I love that, you know, in all of the emails that I got, not one person, not two people picked the same one. Like there's so many in there. Everyone was picking different ones that stood out to them. I love the diversity that we had there. Can you imagine if our politicians followed just these, just the ones that I mentioned, just those? What would our world look like? Or what if all the millionaires and billionaires of the world followed these proverbs. They knew and practiced these. What would our world look like? Or what if your boss or that one boss that you had a long time ago that made work awful for you, what if that boss followed these proverbs? 
How might your job change? But you know, that's just a pipe dream. There's always going to be people that uh, follow the money, follow the power, and ignore God's wisdom. So what if we just began following these, incorporating these into our lives ourselves? What would our lives, how would our lives change if we learned these Proverbs, then took the time to meditate on them, to figure them out, to understand the riddles and the mysteries, and then let them weave their wisdom through our lives? What would it look like for us as fathers and as mothers, as friends and coworkers, to let this wisdom permeate our lives? What would it look for, like for us to be uh, business leaders and church leaders who let this wisdom soak into our lives? As neighbors or as caregivers, what would it be like to understand and incorporate this wisdom? If we invited this divine wisdom to permeate our lives, what would we experience? I think we would experience a, a divine shift in the spheres in our lives and how people acted around us and the way that we acted around others. We're given an answer to what this might look like in the third verse of Proverbs. We become people who bring about God's goodness in our spheres of life to the world all around us. We become people who do, as Proverbs says, what's right and just and fair as we incorporate this wisdom. And this is a part of bringing God's kingdom to earth. When Jesus came, he continually declared that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he was announcing his presence as the perfectness of heaven now touching our earth. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. He looked at the brokenness of earth and he began restoring it. He healed the sick. He made the lame walk. He forgave people who were seen as absolutely unforgivable. He welcomed people who were outcasts from society. He embraced the untouchable. He did what was right and just and fair. And then he revealed his plan. He didn't want to be the only one bringing his kingdom. And so he said to his disciples, and he says to you and I, now you, you get to go bring my kingdom to earth. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you now get to go do things that I didn't even do, Jesus says. Part of Jesus' mission, and now ours, is to use his divine wisdom with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to bring about his kingdom, to do what is right and just and fair. I, uh, when I was in high school, me and my friends went camping at Kamlora State Park, Evergreen Lake. Anybody been there? It's up by Bloomington? No? Great, great little park. So we went camping. It was, a, it was like towards, you know, midnight, things were dying down. The fire was, you know, just embers at that point. And we were just sitting around talking in our chairs. And all of a sudden, there's this huge streak of light in the sky. Just huge. I mean, and, and so we looked up and we just like caught the end of it as it was passing over us. 
and it looked like a shooting star the size of a baseball in the sky, just huge. It lit up everything. In fact, it, was, it even left like a kind of tail of embers in the sky. So it was there for a minute or two, just kind of like finishing burning up. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in the sky. It's like the second brightest thing I've ever seen in the sky besides the moon. I mean, the, the sun, you know, the sun is, would be the brightest, you know, in the night sky. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, it was so bright. The whole campground, like everybody was kind of sitting out there and everybody who saw it, you could hear people like murmuring like, whoa, did you see that? Did you see it? And you could hear the people like around us saying, wow, did you see the, did you see that shooting star? It was the most incredible shooting star I've ever seen. It was simply amazing. It really just like stood out of the sky. And when we begin to live with God's wisdom, put it into practice, and do what's right and just and fair in our world, the way we live is going to stand out. People won't be able to miss it. People won't be able to turn away from it. Like that giant shooting star in the darkness. You're going to cause people in the way that you live to wonder to murmur, to, to say, oh, wow, in our industry, no one, everybody cuts that corner. Everyone cheats that person. It's not a big deal. Can't believe they, they did the right thing. Or everybody treats that person at work this way. No one, really, no one really treats him well. He's annoying. But we, but that guy, he's really nice to him. You're going to cause people to see God's wisdom in your life. And so as we continue this series over the next few weeks, we're going to be learning divine wisdom. That's the first step that Proverbs lays out for us, to learn it, right? We'll be doing that here on Sunday mornings. But what Sunday won't always teach you is, uh, give you is uh, steps two and three. To understand it and then to apply it to your life. If you really want the wisdom that calls out to you, as Proverbs says, you'll have to take the time to understand and put it into practice. And as you do that, I want to offer you two prayers to pray, to invite God into this journey of wisdom for you. And so that first, this first prayer, as you're learning this wisdom and trying to understand it and incorporate it, this first prayer just says this, God, help me understand this wisdom. Maybe it's a specific verse that you just read that you don't quite understand, or maybe you think you fully understand. You can still pray this prayer. God, help me understand this wisdom. This is a question you can give directly to the Holy Spirit. His job is to guide us, to lead us, to inspire us. He is our helper. God, help me understand this wisdom. And the second prayer is God, show me where to weave this wisdom in my life. God, where should I weave this wisdom into my life? This wisdom, it's not a hat that we just like, oh, put on my wisdom hat today and I'm going to do some God's wisdom. But it's something that is incorporated into our life. It's like a thread being woven into a tapestry that's not just easily taken out. Once we put it into our life, this wisdom sticks with us. It's a gift more precious than gold and rubies. So let's learn the wisdom together. Let's ask the Spirit for understanding and then ask where he 
would like to weave this wisdom into our lives. I've got a call to action for you. Um, just one today. Um, Bridget, if you want to come up and um, we'll worship here in a second. Uh, that today or tomorrow, don't wait. Do this today or tomorrow. Read Proverbs 15 and 16. And this is one of the, this is uh, two chapters in Proverbs that just have like uh, wisdom after wisdom after wisdom. Some of them are related. Some of them aren't related at all. Most of them aren't. And it's just wisdom after wisdom. And anything that sticks out to you, anything that causes you pause, highlight, underline, just kind of do that as you go through. And then after you're done highlighting, underlining, um, you know, it, it could be something like, uh, oh, here's one. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. That's one of them. Maybe like, oh man, you know what? I have been feeding on trash. I've been all up in social media. All that is a trash. I haven't really fed on God's wisdom. I need to hear that. Maybe highlight that one. Or, you know, maybe you're confused about one. What's this one about uh, a bowl about vegetables and eating steak with my enemy? I don't understand what that means. And so you highlight that one. And as you do that, as you're reading 15 and 16, pick just two or three. Two or three that stand out to you. I mean, you can highlight as many as you want. But at the end, pick two or three and just start praying these prayers. You've learned them. And then pray these prayers. God, help me understand this wisdom. And God, where do you want this wisdom to be woven into my life? Let's pray together. Jesus, we're, we're thankful that you just give us wisdom. That you just don't put us out here on our own to figure it out by ourselves, that um, we're not robots with a robot switch to try and just, you know, do as you command every time. Um, we thank you that you walk with us. And you give us this wisdom. And so as we move forward, as we read Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes and other wisdom in the scripture, we just ask that one, you help us to understand it in the way it's meant to be understood. And Jesus, too, we ask that you show us where in our lives this wisdom needs to be incorporated, where we can weave it through so that we can be a part of bringing your kingdom. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing and we just look forward to what you're, how you're going to work here. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God to learn more, go to lifemohammed.org, lifemohammed.org.